Hi guys, welcome once again to my podcast. I am so excited that you guys have decided to join me once again today. Today is a great day because we have two visitors. Remember, I told you guys I was going to invite some of my friends to come speak. Well, today we have Alex and Pat. They are two amazing friends that I love and I appreciate them. These people can sing go follow them on youtube at god verify they are amazing couples and they're my family guys they are my family i appreciate them a lot and i'm so thankful that they decided to join me on this episode and today what they are going to be reading is chapter five and six finding god in the book of Deuteronomy, and Finding God in the book of Numbers. It's going to be fun, so stay tuned as they introduce themselves. All right, hey guys, so this is Alex Shelton and... This is Thad. We're going to be looking at chapter 5 of the Bible Code, Finding Jesus in Every Book of the Bible. So chapter 5 is called Finding Jesus in Deuteronomy. He's the manna in the wilderness. So the beginning starts with Deuteronomy 8, 2 and 3. It says, the Lord your God led you all the way these 40 years in the wilderness hmm. to humble you and test you to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. So he humbled you, allowed you to hunger and fed you with manna that he might make you know that man shall not live by bread alone, but everywhere that proceeds from the mouth of the Lord. So that's Deuteronomy eight, two and three. Yeah. So it says four of the first five books of the Bible, the book of Moses have to do with Israel and their 40 years of wilderness wanderings. Paul related that all these things happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. Every experience they had in the wilderness holds a lesson for those of us living in this dispension of grace. Knowing this and pointing to the sustaining manna that fell from heaven each morning, the Lord Jesus revealed that Moses did not give you the bread of heaven, but my Father gives you true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is he who comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. John 6, 32-35. It only took a month after passing through the Red Sea for the food supplies to run out for the hundreds of thousands of Israelites traveling toward their promised land. Hunger set in. The kids were crying. The parents were complaining, questioning Moses' leadership. He must have been feeling like Philip on the Galilean mountainside. When Jesus asked him, where shall we buy bread that these may eat? Verse 5. Just when Moses was desperate for a solution, God was there with a promise. I will rain bread from heaven for you, and the people shall go out and gather a certain quota every day. Exodus 16.4 And true to his word for the very next 40 years, God fed his people in this way every morning, all they needed. This miraculous provision is what they call the bread of heaven. Psalm 78.24 Similar to the dew that covered the ground. It was fine and flake-like. Israelites gathered it each morning. They ground it, then pounded it into cakes, which were then baked. It tastes like wafers made from honey. Exodus 16, 31. Manna was not the product of this world, cultivated or manufactured by human hands. It was supernatural. It was a gift that came down from heaven. It had to be gathered daily 
as it was only good for that day's supply. If it was left over or until the next day, it became corrupt with worms. With the exception of the Sabbath, when the preceding day brought a double portion, manna never ran out. There was an inexhaustible supply that fed over 2 million people every day for 40 years until they crossed over the Jordan River and began to feast on the milk and honey Canaan, their promised land. There's so much behind those words of Christ. I am the bread of life. John 6, 35. He is the true manna that came down from the Father to sustain us and give us life. The manna of the wilderness demonstrated to the world that we have a God who cares and provides for us. Just as the manna arrived supernaturally, so did Jesus Christ. He miraculously came down from heaven. He was planted in the womb of a young Jewish virgin and appeared in the Middle Eastern stable one star-filled night. Just as the manna had to be gathered and eaten by each individual, so each of us must individually receive Jesus by faith through being born again. Just as this manna was needed every day by day, our Lord prayed, Give us this day our daily bread, Matthew 6, 11. The emphasis added on daily. Yesterday's victories never suffice for today's commitment. With Jesus, God's mercies are new every morning. That's Lamentations 3, 23. And just as manna never ran out, in Christ there's an inexhaustible supply of love, joy, and peace and all the remaining fruit of the Spirit. The quote here says, Yesterday's victories never suffice for today's commitment. Yes, all these things that happened to them as examples, and they were written for our admonition. 1 Corinthians 10, 11. So like our forefathers, our Jewish forefathers of the faith, we too look to God for our sustenance and our salvation, which is freely and supernaturally provided for us in the one who calls himself the bread of life. Every piece of manna digested by the children of Israel was the voice of God saying, he is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. He who comes to me shall never hunger. John 6, 33 and 35. Jesus is in all the Bible, and we find him here in Deuteronomy. He's the bread of life. Dad, what you get from that? Basically, you know, the manna that you know was given to them mm-hmm. is kind of similar to the, you know, the joy, the love, the peace, you know, the everlasting um, the fruits of the spirit. Of the spirit mm-hmm. You know, he gives it to us every day. God gives us that every day. He gives us new mercies every day. He gives us grace i would say everything that we need from him mm-hmm. he replenishes us every day even when we when, you need when to be we're filled. yeah when we need to be filled we're allowed to seek him and then be refilled yeah. you know re- replenished yeah. oh, that's a great so that's yeah. jesus in deuteronomy the next one the next chapter says finding jesus in joshua so now we're looking at joshua it starts with joshua 2 18 then 21 and then joshua 6 25. So finding Jesus in Joshua, he's the scarlet cord out of Rahab's window. When we come into the land, you bind this line of scarlet cord in the window through which you let us down. Then she said, according to your words, so be it. And then she sent them away and they departed. And she bound the scarlet cord of the window. And Joshua spared Rahab the harlot because she hid the messengers whom Joshua sent to spy out in Jericho. Mm. After four decades of waiting, the time had finally come. Moses was dead. Joshua and the people of Israel encamped on the east side of the Jordan, opposite Jericho. On the threshold of entering the promised land, Joshua was fully aware of immediate confrontation would ensue. Jericho, the well-fortified city in the Jordan Valley, was the first of many battles that initiated the conquest of Canaan. Joshua sent two spies undercover into Jericho 
to bring back a reconnaissance report. Their cover had about to be exposed, and they were protected and hidden by one of the town prostitutes, Rahab. She lured them into the wall with a rope through the window of her home so they could safely return to Joshua with their report. They relayed the walls that the walls were 60 feet high and 30 feet wide, whew, mm. and they couldn't be scaled over, skirted around, or tunneled under. They also brought news of Rahab. They had left her a scarlet cord to be hung from her window, so when the Israelites defeated Jericho, she and her household would be spared when the scarlet cord identified their home. Mm. We all know the story well. The Israelites marched around the city of Jericho for seven days. As the residents of Jericho watched, hundreds of thousands of Israelites surrounded their city, marching around all of it. All of Jericho was terrified, and Joshua was coming. Judgment was coming. Chaos and confusion ran rampant through the streets, except for one home. Rahab was watching also, but she felt no fear. She had heard what God had done for the Israelites on the other side of the Jordan and professed, The Lord your God, he is in heaven above and on earth beneath. Joshua 2.11 it is one thing to believe he is God in heaven, but another to believe he's in control of the earth beneath. As an expression of faith, she hung the scarlet cord out of her window. She was looking for her salvation. Through the Israelites' faith and by the miracle of God, the walls of Jericho fell flat and the city was destroyed, but not Rahab. When Rahab said yes to God, the God of Israel, and by faith hung that scarlet cord out of the window, it set in motion her deliverance. God in heaven knew about a cross that she knew nothing about. The blood was shed on that cross before the foundation of the world. First Peter 1.20 God saw that coming cross and that salvation. It's so perfectly promised. And it looked down on the faith that sinful woman saved by her, saved by his blood. As a decoration of her faith, Rahab hung that scarlet cord out of the window. When the judgment came and the walls fell down flat, there was one conspicuous part of the wall that judgment could not touch. And that was because of the scarlet cord. Rahab was saved when judgment came. She took her place among the Israelites and the family of God's people. Old things had passed and then the new became for her. He lived among the children of Israel and married a man named Solomon. They had a son named Boaz. Yes, same Boaz who became the husband of Ruth and the father of Obed, who later gave birth to Jesse, father of David, who became king. And as though this were not her honor enough for Rahab, she's listed in the lineage of Jesus himself in Matthew 1, 5. She's the incarnate truth of 2 Corinthians 5.17. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all new things have come. There is a scarlet cord that is easily seen woven through the fabric of the Old Testament, from Genesis to Malachi. All the foreshadowing, all the types, all the prophecies, all the pictures look forward to and point to the consummating sacrifice of the Lord Jesus Christ. The scarlet cord is the really the story of our sacrifice of our Lord and his on rich red royal blood, the blood shed for our purchase of our redemption, and for all of us, like Rahab, who hang the scarlet cord by faith, windows of our hearts, it will mean deliverance and new life for us, just as it did for her. Jesus is right here in the middle of one of the most well-known Old Testament stories, the fall of Jericho. He is indeed the scarlet cord hung from Rahab's window. So, what do you think about? Well. Basically, she's a sinner. Obviously, you know, she's a prostitute, so yeah. she's looked down on. Right. But because she was willing to spare men of God and to protect them, right, she valued the anointing in them, the gift in them. God delivered her. Hello. That's beautiful. I love, you know, the fact that, you know, the, the spies that went over there, they literally said, hey, do this. And she followed. 
you know, she could have been disobedient and not did it. Mm -hmm. And then she'll be just like everybody else. She wouldn't have but been remembered. She saw redemption. She saw that, hey, I can I can be better. I can I can Yeah, you know, she bettered herself. Yes. And also I think that it's important that she you know, had to let go of her past. But she didn't better herself on her own. She yeah. had to submit to yeah. God's leading. You have to exactly. submit yourself to Christ. You can't just I'm gonna be a bit better. I'm gonna do me. Mm -hmm. I'm gonna self improve. There's yeah. no such thing as self improvement. It has to be God improvement. He has mm -hmm. to make you better. She definitely, you know, was obedient. Mm -hmm. She she definitely had to um had to obey to to whatever they were saying because they they wanted her to be saved. Mm -hmm. You know, but she had to want it for herself. And they gave her away. Yes, oh, yours. Man, that's, that's you so, have to want it. Yeah. So he said, "All things are passed away." Mm -hmm. Like she is, like literally that testimony because remember she was a prostitute, right? Yeah. So she so she had to let go of her old self to become, you know, this next new. Mm -hmm. Wow. And I, they said the the cord that she hung out the window was her deliverance. Mm -hmm. A lot of people think that deliverance is a scary thing, but deliverance is literally God taking you out of your situation. So whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, whether it's an evil spirit that's in your family or a generational curse, mm -hmm. deliverance just means that I want to be free from those things. I want to be part yeah. of the bloodline of Christ now. Mm -hmm. So even if someone has to lay hands on you and it comes out yeah. screaming out of you, or even if you have to cough it up, mm -hmm. it has to come out of you, right? For you mm -hmm. to be in your right alignment with Christ and have your new identity. So it's like shedding the old skin, like shedding, the old, shedding skin. old skin for the new. Right. So that's all that deliverance is. It shouldn't be something so scary. Yeah, scarlet yeah. or represent the blood of Jesus. Yes, but also scarlet in history used to always mean shame. Yeah. Like the prostitute would wear scarlet on her outfit and people yeah. would know that woman is dirty or don't touch her or whatever the case may be. Wow. But now God it took, changed the, he took the color scarlet and redeemed it. Now scarlet means purity. Scarlet means like I, you've been washing the blood. Literally, like you've been touched by me. Literally gave it a new name. He changed the meaning from yeah. shame to yeah. no shame. Gave it a new name. To honor. She's honored in the lineage of God because of what she did. Yes. Because she took her old past and gave it to him and he redeemed her. That's so this is just the story of redemption. And that's how you find your deliverance. Even today, if you humble yourself, say, God, I don't want alcoholism anymore. I don't want to smoke anymore. I don't want addiction or drugs or prostitution, whatever it is. And you let go. You let go of it. He'll deliver you. Yes. Wow, guys. Like, that was such a great reading. Thank you so much once again for reading this. And I think one of the things that I enjoyed about what you guys read was Christianity is a daily walk with God. It's not a thing that you do just once a week on Sunday. Like you have to do it every single day because even God blesses us with goodness and mercy every single morning, guys. I want you guys to think about it this way. The same way you wake up every day and you brush your teeth because, you know, if you don't, your mouth's going to stink. Like that's the same way you need to take your work with God seriously because it is just that important. Um, so I really thank you guys for saying that. Like, we need God every single day. I need God, like, physically, emotionally, mentally, in every single thing I do. Like, I need God every single day. And I can't imagine, like, one day without God. I feel like I'll go crazy. Another thing that you guys mentioned that I really love, and Alex, you spoke of that. You said it's all about submitting to God, not self-improvement. Like, that is so good. That is so good. Like, we live in a world where people are so satisfied by their independence. They get so much pride from it. And I mean, like, and that's fine. 
But when it comes to dealing with God, there has to be a point where you surrender. you like, God, I think I can't do it by myself, but you are the ultimate goal. Like what you say is what I want to do. Whatever you tell me to do is what I'm going to do. So definitely feel like that was great. Another thing that I thought about too while you guys were reading this is this is such a beautiful story. I'm like, how sweet is God? Like God is just so amazing. Like he turned rehab from someone that was a prostitute to someone that is actually in the lineage of God. Isn't that crazy? Like God is just so amazing, guys, because how? Why? And I loved what she did. She kept that scarf as a sign of remembrance. So she never forgot what God did for her. And I think we need that. Like I need that. Like it's very easy to forget the things that God does for us and for us to take it as insignificant because we get so used to enjoying the goodness of God. We start to take these things like insignificantly. And I think it's important to always look back at where we began and where we are so we can see how much growth and how much progress we've had and just say god i thank you a big takeaway from this is working with god is something we have to do daily and we have to submit to his authority and his leadership because he's a good god he would not take us in the direction that is not good for us. He wants the best for us. So we have to submit to God and we have to also have a symbol and something that just reminds us of the goodness of God. Like if it be true music, true songs, I mean, just something that reminds us of the goodness of God. With that being said, thank you guys once again for coming to my podcast. I really appreciate you guys and I look forward to you guys being on here again. Thank you, Todd and Alex. A round of applause to them wherever you are, guys. All right, guys, we have another speaker speaking on the next episode. You don't want to miss it. I look forward to seeing everybody back again. Bye.